0: at the beginning of the school year to have a service where we pray over children, students, and educators, because uh, we want the Lord's covering upon us and them, um, and as they invest in this really, really important thing, which has to do with shaping the minds and the hearts of children. Wouldn't you agree that's important? And so... um, But before we do that, you know, I I forgot, I got a proverb for you. Okay, so proverb of the day, today's the second, I chose verse seven. God stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk uprightly. Okay, so this is a family service, kids are with us, it's going to be a little shorter than normal so we can get to breakfast right away. And um, uh, in fact, I'm going to share briefly and then Pastor Aaron is going to come up and he's going to share some more. We're going to get a report from camp, we're going to pray. Lots of things going on. So um, this is our tradition that we do this. My prayer today is that you will see this and ingrain this into your family, that you will choose to make this a habit, more than a tradition, but a habit daily to pray over your children before you send them off to school. We'll talk about how that works. So we've been... um, We've been in a series um, we're calling Ultimate Journey, which is talking about after we die. And uh, we suspended that for a while because we were gone. And, and we'll pick that up next week again. But the last time we met, we were in this passage where Jesus was, um, told the disciples, you let children come to me. And the, the verses we had there were Matthew 19, verses 13 to 15. Then little children were brought to him, that's to Jesus, that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. The disciple said, go away, you little kids. Go on, you little gnats, you filthy animals. Get out of here. It was terrible. Okay, so they're saying that kind of stuff. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Jesus said, snap to attention when little children are around. This is a big deal to me. And he laid his hands on them, and he departed from there. And that was a very, very common practice back then for um, parents to bring their children to a rabbi who would lay his hands on them and he would, he would bless the child, who would pray for their future, he would pray for their, you know, their safety. It was just a common practice and it went back all of the way, if you go through scripture, it goes all the way back to the patriarchs, lots of examples. And no wonder parents would want to bring their children to Jesus because they had seen what would happen to people who had a personal encounter with God. I mean, People who were blind would see. People who would lame would get up and walk. People who couldn't hear. I mean, all kinds of really, really good things would happen. Who wouldn't want to get their children into the hands of Jesus? And uh, so I would just want to just quickly suggest the same to you, to you parents. Get your kids to Jesus as soon as you can. As soon as you can. Charles Spurgeon, who was this, um, this great preacher from London 100 years ago, over 100 years ago, he put it this way. He said, before a child reaches seven... Teach him all the way to heaven, and better still, the work will thrive if he learns before he's five. I subscribe to that completely. I believe children can understand these things and, um, as, long, as young as they, they can, because really, parents, you are a partner with God. You are, you are borrowing your child from God for a season, to some degree. And I think that children want to come to Jesus. It's, it's, once they find out about Jesus, I've noticed this even among the children of, of families who don't believe in God. They want to know about Jesus. And I think God put that one in their hearts. And you parents, don't steer that away. Don't do that. Make it easy for kids to love God. Make it easy for them to come to him. Any signal that your children gives that says there's an open heart, seize that moment and evangelize them. And I think, uh, so today's, today's the day we pray over students and educators, and, and here's what scripture says about when we pray. One of my favorite scriptures, James 5.16, says, the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. That's the modern English um, translation. I learned it in the King James. The effectual fervent prayer of a man in right standing with God availeth much. A righteous person. What do you think that is? You know, I think the world would have a definition of that. The, the righteous person, the, the word there literally means a person who is holy and innocent. Okay, um, not a lot of people whose prayers apparently would be powerful and effective, except for the fact, this is speaking of people who are in a relationship with Christ. He is their personal Lord and Savior. It's the, the relationship with Christ that makes you holy and innocent and righteous. This scripture is basically saying that if you are a believer, if you have a relationship, a saving relationship with Jesus as Lord and Savior, your prayers are powerful and effective. By the way, if you're not a believer, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, what scripture teaches is that the Lord does not hear your prayer. I don't know if you know that or not, but you can look it up in John chapter 9. But basically, the scripture s- says that apart from a prayer of personal repentance, God doesn't hear the prayers of people who say, hey, well, I'll just talk to the man upstairs and hopefully he'll watch over my job for me. God doesn't hear that prayer um, for someone who would not have that personal relationship with Jesus. That Powerful and effective, those words, the words that are there, the, the, the Greek words literally mean exercising force. Okay? Powerful and effective. Exercising, so it's, it's the words there are plural, they're large, and they're far. It's like saying that when you're a believer and you pray, you set things in motion you have no idea about. Powerful and effective. And so um, we believe that when we pray, I can just tell you about when um, Lisa and I, with our first son, our first, we were brand new parents, raised up our first boy. We had three at this point. And um, we faced down that very first day of him going to school for the very first day. Ben was waiting for the school bus for you know, his first day of kindergarten. Leave that picture up for a minute, if you would. And. <laughs> He's got a teddy bear tag, name tag that they gave to us. Said, have him wear this first day to kindergarten. And there he is, his little sister, nice balloon pants, Rachel, wherever she is. Um, <laughs> I think Lisa made those pants, didn't you, honey? Yeah, it's great. Nice job. All gathered there at the, whatever. So um, I have to say that as parents, you know, we weren't like paranoid or anything, but this was a scary day. We nurtured him up to this age of five, five-ish, and um, you protect them from scrapes and bruises and they do the things and you shape them and you correct them, and you, but you're always protecting and loving on them and every day you love them more than you did yesterday and all this. And you're going to put them on a school bus and they're going to go away are they going to get in a wreck and die on the way to school? Is there going to be, you know, all these things you think about as a parent, these terrible things? They're going to go to school. What's, what are they going to do to him there? You know, will he come back? Will we see him ever again? You know, <laughs> maybe that's overstated. It's only overstated to the degree that I've said it out loud because it circulated. It circulated. And I remember us thinking, okay, well, I guess we're desperate. We have to ask for God's covering here. That's too bad that it was our attitude that, okay, oh God, save us, you know. So this first day of school, we gathered Ben and we prayed over him on his first day of school. The next day came, we didn't feel comfortable not praying over him, so we prayed over him again. And the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And every day, we continued doing that. Pretty soon, it was a habit. It grew to the point where we... We're afraid to not pray over our son. And it wasn't about fear. It was about the fact that we had learned that the Lord had taught us to cover our children in prayer. Because when they get outside of your care and your keeping, there are all kinds of influences, aren't there? And I'm not making any political statement about the schools. I'm talking about the world. We live in a broken world. And when your children are there in your care and keeping, you have way better control over what goes into them and what becomes part of their fabric. When they go outside of your control, you have to trust. And some things out there can be trusted and other things cannot. And they're out of here. They're gone for hours. You know, They learn things from kids in the playground. They, they're, they're, I mean, all these things that go on. So we became, it became a habit for us. And I would just tell you that as, as, um, as parents, as, we, as our three children grew up, we prayed over our three kids every single day they went to school the entire time until they grew up and moved away from our household. And it wasn't every single day that, the, that we gathered as five. Sometimes um, we'd put them on the bus and pray and they were on their way, but they never once went to school without having been covered in prayer beforehand. And I want you to know that um, praying over your children before school isn't this arduous task. It's simple and it's loving and you can do this. So here's, I'm going to show you how to do this, and then I'm going to hand the service over to um, someone who's going to preach to us a little bit about this. Um, um, And and here's, so first off, I'm going to say that when you leave today, the ushers are going to give you one of these. It's a magnet. If I had a steel plate in my forehead, I could just make it stick right there, and you could look at it. But basically, these are prayer points. Would you leave that one up for me too, Amy, for a little while? These are prayer points. This is how we prayed over our children basically every day. And you can see what's going on there. We, would, we wanted the Lord to give our children, children discernment of truth. What are philosophies of man versus what is the truth that God would want them to understand and adopt? The ability to divide between those things. Really, really important. That's an important skill set that every parent should be teaching their child. The discernment of truth. Not of, not of opinion. We ask the Lord for wisdom and then for a love for other people. Second thing, would we, would we want our children to enable them to be able to stand for righteousness. Not that they would, would be blown by the winds of culture and float along with a stream, but instead, they would be a stance. They would be the influencer of people around them, and it would be for righteousness. And then, of course, to cover them, protect them physically, spiritually, emotionally, and bring them back home to mom and dad. Pretty easy, right? And the amount of time I've just described it to you, that's as long as a prayer takes. So what I'm going to do is borrow a child. Where's Adam? Alan, excuse me. Alan Dean. Alan Dean Cochran. Can I pray over you? Can I hold your hand? Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask the Lord um, to absolutely cover and protect you for your family. Would you, would you, is it okay if I pray for you? Okay, so we're just going to pray. Just do whatever you want to do, but I'm going to pray for this young one. Lord, I want to thank you for this little life. I know you love him so much. God, I pray that that as he goes to school and comes home, that you would fill him, Lord, with wisdom and discernment, that he would see things through your eyes and be able to know God truth as you see it rather than being blown by the culture of society. And Lord, I pray too that you would fill him with love for other people and wisdom about how to, to walk his day. God, I pray that you would cover him physically, spiritually, and emotionally, and that, God, you would help him, Lord, to respond with love to people around him. Now, Lord, all these things, I trust you. We trust you with this guy that we love so much. Bring him safely home to us at the end of the day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Thank you. It's that simple. It's that simple. And um, if you can't do it before they get on the bus, or maybe, maybe you homeschool, and you've got a homeschool classroom. Before you take them in there, pray over them. Our, our Ben, who is now a 30-something-year-old man, structural engineer, living his life, comes and visits us a lot. And he will not leave after a visit until we've prayed for him and sent him out the front door. I love that about him. He's. Uh, am I making you cry? No. Okay. <laughs> I have to try harder. Is that what you said? Okay. You can go back to your coloring if you want, honey. Okay. <laughs> now, I want to say something else, too. Um, the, 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 the children and youth leaders of our church really believe that our emphasis for prayer over the course of this month needs to revolve around the young people. And so over the next number of weeks, you're going to find that we're going to provide you something I don't think these are going to be available until next week. I'm not certain about that. But there, each week, there will be a specific topic of emphasis that we would ask you as a church family to be praying for, for children in our community and in your households each week. And so we want you to know that that's coming. Be prepared for that and, and, and do that. So now, um, in, in just a couple of minutes, after um, Aaron is done with, with, with the message, he's going to lead us in how we will pray for our children. And I'm going to ask you to be brave okay? Because it's not going to be stay in your seat comfortable. It's going to be, we'll have people around and we're not going to do lengthy prayers. They're not going to be lengthy. We're not going to ask you all kinds of invasive questions. We're just going to pray over children and educators, whoever wants to be covered. We want to pray over you and um, be brave and go to one of them and let them pray over you. Okay. So, but before we get into the message, we just recently had camp and um, I want you to, uh, to see what happened at youth camp. So that was our our youth camp.
1: It was out in in Yelm this year. We joined with uh, River of Life Fellowship, um, who is a church out of Kent. And we just had a blast. The theme of camp this year was was Reckless Love, uh, just like that song that we sang this morning. And I can't tell you and express with words how powerful camp was as our students really got to learn what that meant about the reckless love, the way that Jesus pursues them every day, and that, that they can't get too far from him, and, and there's nothing they can do to earn his love, yet he continues to pursue them on a daily basis, and it was just a powerful camp. I've grown up in church going to camps. Um, I can't tell you how many summer camps I've gone to, and summer camps are a powerful time for students. to They get away from everything. I was blessed by this camp because it was in the middle of nowhere in Yelm, which meant no cell service. Uh, So it was a time not just for students to check out, but leaders to check out and just have no distractions around. Camp's powerful in that way. And I've been to many camps. I've never been to a camp that was this powerful where I got to witness the Holy Spirit just pour and pour and pour into our students' lives. Dang it, I'm going to (laughs) cry. <laughs> it's It's the only time I promise I'll, I'll clear it up through the rest of the message um but I'm proud of them. Look, they're sitting in the front row taking notes this morning like it's awesome. Um, we left as a youth group and we came home a family Like a real family Ah. Uh, Shoot! <laughs> uh, God really poured out His Spirit. It was just such a huge move. Like I've never witnessed in my life, twenty-seven years, never witnessed such a powerful moment of the Holy Spirit moving. And like I said, I've been in powerful, huge services. I've been at, at big worship concerts and, and festivals and things like that, and seeing Jesus move in, in huge ways. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, those moments don't compare to what happened at camp this year. It was awesome. Um, and so it was a, the other thing I want to share with you about camp is that I'm really proud of you, church, because not a single one of our students paid a single dollar out of their pocket to go to camp. Not one, not one of them. We took... 11 students and three leaders this this year, and camp was completely 100% covered by our fundraising in the way that you guys as a church chose to donate to camp. So thank you for that. All right, so moving on. I'll try not to cry the rest of the service, I promise, (laughs) but no promises of not crying, right? Um, I always thought that I, I wasn't a crier. Uh, there's a, this pastor that I know, uh, Tim Wimberley, probably some of you know him. I always laughed at Tim because he cried every time he preached. He cried like every service, like Tim always cries, okay? Um, and I, I made fun of him for that a little bit. Uh, that was probably a bad idea because now that I'm in ministry. Gosh, I cry all the time. I can't tell you the, the amount of, like, I probably could have had a bucket full of tears to, like, give away at the end of camp this year. Uh, it was good. Um, but if you guys would open your Bible to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to dig into the Word a little bit. If you don't have your Bible, we'll put it on the screen in a bit. Um, and I encourage you guys, bring your Bible to church, okay? I brought my big Bible because I'm, I'm preaching, okay? So this is the, this is the the real deal here, okay? Um, but bring your Bible to church. I really believe in, I just think it's good to be turning the pages of the actual Bible to get to write notes down into it that you can't do on your cell phone. Amen. I think it's good. Just, just be in a habit of it. Okay. So Matthew chapter five, it says, you are the light of the world. We're going to start in verse 14. Uh, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father that is in heaven. It's a really powerful piece of scripture right there. Um, My prayer this year for our, our students and our teachers, our faculty, our families, our church, is that we would, this year, step into a place of bold, faith-filled prayers, not just um, the everyday mundane prayer, but we would step into something bigger and something with more faith and and something with more boldness this year um, that we would cover our loved ones abundantly in prayer to protect them from the schemes of the enemy um, and that our prayers would empower them to walk in boldness and in faith as they go to school each day, as they go to work every day, uh, as they have to teach students every single day. That's a tough job for our teachers. So today I want to talk to you from the idea of bold faith and letting our light shine before men. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray that um, as we dive into your word today, Lord, that you would speak to each heart individually, Lord God. Lord, I pray that we would come to know you in a deeper relationship. Lord, I pray that you would fill us up, Lord God, with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would be able to go from this place into our community, uh, into our jobs, Lord God, into school, filled with faith, Lord God, and boldness to share your gospel, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Um, How many of you guys ever played with fire before? Anybody? I, I feel like every guy in the room should be, like, raising every extremity that they have, okay? Uh, I I really love fire. <laughs> like, that's just real life. I, it's fun, I guess. It's dangerous, right? But it's a little fun. Um, and after Beth and I first got married, uh, we lived on a, a little piece of property, and it had this, like, chicken coop on it that was um, overgrown, and there was just like this, this pen for chickens was just—it was all blackberries, like ten feet tall. Okay, and I was like, I really want to get chickens, so I wanted to clear out this chicken coop. So I spent um, several weeks cutting all the blackberries back and and trimming and, and getting this thing cleared out. And it was in the middle of summertime, and there was a there was a burn ban, so I kind of just had stacked this this pile of stuff so that when the burn ban was over, I could light it on fire. Um, and I could sit in my lawn chair and watch a giant thing of fire um, and enjoy an afternoon, right? So, um, well, the burn ban wasn't quite up yet. It was like September. It had rained plenty. It was not unsafe to burn by any means. Um, and, I, and so I was like, I think I had been working out there. I'm like, I really think I can burn, but I'll be safe. I'll call the fire department. And so the fire department wasn't too far from our house, um, like a couple blocks And so I called the local fire department. Hey, can I, is it, is it okay? It's been raining for like weeks and weeks. Is it okay if I burn? And they're like, well, do you think your neighbors will call it in or get mad? No. Okay. Have fun. All right. So uh, the only way that I know how to start a a large bonfire is with a lot of gasoline. Um, That's the way that that real men start fires. Okay. So I got the, the big gas can and I'm just dousing it in gasoline. I'm like, I'm safe about this. I stand back from it. I do all the right things, K. I I probably put a little too much gas on. And so I, I get my my little stick that I douse in gas, and I light it, and I huck it towards the fire, and it exploded. <laughs> uh, and not just like a like a hoof. It was like, and like shook all the windows in the house. I'm like, okay. Um, I, th- I Though I called the fire department, they're probably definitely going to show up now because... I just lit a bomb off, essentially. So I love fire. Fire's got a a cool power. Um, Gasoline is a very, very flammable fuel, okay? So just so you know, it's probably not best to light fires with gasoline because it's so flammable. Um, So I want to dig back into our text this morning, okay? Okay we'll get back on track. I promise that story wasn't useless. Um, there's a few points that I want to pull out of our text this morning. Um, and, and right now, I want to examine the scope in which Jesus is talking to us in Matthew chapter 5. Because um, it says, you are the light of the world, okay? And I, and I underlined world right there. You're the light of the world, a city, Okay, you see what just happened there? We went from the, the world, now down to a city. And then it says, um, a city set on a, kil- a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house, right? So we went from world, okay? You are the light of the world. Then we went into the city. You are the light within the city, and now down into the house. And so, so Jesus is is referring to us here that, that when we talk about our light shining, it's on every aspect of this level. It's from the way that we interact in the world. It's the way that we interact with the people that are close to us within our city, our community, our church community. And then it's the way that we interact inside of our household, that even the people closest to us should look at the way that we live our lives. The people that know us the best, the people that that know our, our, our failures, our insecurities, they should look at our life and say, I give glory to God because of this life. The people closest to us. The first point that I want to make today is that this is an action, and we're going to put this on the screen. It's an action, it's an active choice that we make. Being the light of the world is an active choice that we make. That's why it says people don't light a basket or a a lamp and put it under a basket, right? There's a choice right there. The Bible's giving us a choice. We can, if we want to, we can put it under a basket. Probably not a great choice, right? But it says, no, you put it on a stand so that it gives light to everyone that comes in contact with it, the whole house. I believe that each one of us as Christians possesses the light and we have a choice of what we get to do with that. What are you choosing to do with your life? The second point that I want to make this morning is our purpose is to give glory to God. Our purpose is to give glory to God. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says, Whatever you do in all things, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Is your life, your actions and the way that you speak or the way that you treat people, glorifying God. The Bible says that we would be known as Christians for our love for one another, that this would be a stamp of our identity in Christ, our love for one another. Our students went to camp this year as a youth group, like I said, and they came back a family. A family that is bound in love and marked by the love of God. When our love for Christ and others doesn't just rest in our soul, it doesn't just sit there, we don't just know it. But when we choose to allow it to be ingrained in every action that we take, our works will bring Glory to the Father amen? amen The light that is of Jesus will begin to radiate out of every aspect of our lives and and Pastor Seth the last couple of weeks has been talking about grace. This is a response to grace. Our students this week learned about the reckless love of God, and when you really I promise you if you really dive in and you figure out how much Jesus really loves you and you begin to allow that to penetrate your heart and understand how far Jesus chases after you and and your failures and my failures and how far Jesus chased after me and loved me. When I get to that place, when you get to that place, that is when we really truly begin to glorify God because it's out of that heart that we recognize that Jesus cares for other people the same way. If he believed in me, he believes in you. If he believed in me, he believes in Rochester and our community. And out of that scope, our life begins to give glory to God. Amen? Amen. So how do we get there? Number three, it comes through a continual filling of the Holy Spirit, recognizing... Oh, look, I made a typo. Hey, cool. (laughs) Not surprised. That's what I do. Um. It comes through a continual filling of the Holy Spirit. I lit a big fire with gasoline. And what's cool about... And gasoline is what? It's a fuel. I think so often we we talk about the light of the world. And for us, in 2018, the only light we know of is an incandescent bulb. Oh, now an LED, right? The lamp that they had then was not powered by electricity it was not an incandescent bulb it was a oil-filled lamp in order for that lamp to give off light it needed fuel and our fuel comes from a continual filling of the holy spirit i want to look at at a couple guys that modeled this well their name peter and john In Acts chapter 3, and we're going to read this on the screen, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask for alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, he asked for money. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive from something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up immediately, and his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began... Uh, to walk and enter the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. What was he doing? He was praising God. He was glorifying God by the actions and the faith and the way that Peter and John lived their life gave glory to God because they walked in faith. The context that this is in, this scripture in, in Acts comes right after the first huge outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Right after Pentecost, when these guys felt the Holy Spirit like they'd never felt before. But they didn't didn't just say, okay, we got it once, we're done. No, they were like, that was amazing. I need that every single day. And so the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, and I preach this all the time to our youth, is that... They gathered together daily. They gathered in the temple daily. They gathered in each other's homes daily. They encouraged each other. They broke bread together. They had a relationship with each other. They were a family. But they sought the filling of the Holy Spirit every single day. And through that power, they had the faith and the audacity to look at a guy and not just say, God, will you heal him? I'll I'll ask it. God, will you heal him? No, they declared it over that situation in that circumstance. I want our church, I want our youth, our kids to walk into school this year with faith to declare the works of God. It comes through a fueling of the Holy Spirit. I don't want like 80, 90 weight to be my fueling. It doesn't burn very well. I want top fuel, gasoline, right? Explosive, almost shatter the windows in a house to be my fuel, to be your fuel, to fuel our kids as they go to school. Explosive fuel. The Holy Spirit moved like crazy at camp this year. Like crazy. I'll keep saying it. And I think if you grew up in church and you went to camps, you you know that. You've experienced it. But the tendency is that we we say, oh, that's camp. Camp is that way. You get filled with the Holy Spirit at, at camp and then you got to hang on to that filling for the rest of the year, that fueling for the rest of the year. I don't want that to be the case. That wasn't the case with the apostles. They sought it every single day. They were filled every single day. I want that to be our prayer for our, our students, for our kids, for our teachers, that they would be filled with the Spirit just like camp every single day. So in a moment here, we're going we're to move into a time where we get to practice this. The practical application of today's message is that we pray big, bold, faith, earth-shaking prayers for our kids, for our church family. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to, to join me up here. And, and the way that this is going to work is pretty simple. Is that we get an opportunity to, to pray for those students. Whether you're going into to preschool or college, if you're going to school, this is an opportunity for you to get prayed for. We're gonna pray for our church or our, our school faculty. If you work in the schools, we want to cover you in prayer. If you're homeschooled, if you homeschool, we want to cover you in prayer. If you're just a parent and you say, I need prayer on how to walk through this year of school or how to walk through this season with my student, we want to pray for you. And the way that's going to work is I'm going to ask our our church leaders, our staff, our pastors, our prayer team to, to come forward and kind of find areas throughout the room. So if you could do that, that would be awesome. Um, and, and the, the worship team is going to lead us in a time of worship, and we want to take this opportunity to pray for you. So find one of us throughout out the room, if that's you, if you fall into any one of those categories, and we, we want to pray for you individually. So if, if you've got to make lines, and, and we want to pray for our Sunday school teachers. Okay? So if we have to make lines to get prayed for, that's awesome. We wanna pray for every single person. Don't not get prayed for if that's you. Don't let this time pass because this is a powerful time. The word says that seek and you will find, knock and the door should be open to you. There's an action that we have to step out into to receive those promises. And it's stepping into prayer in times like this. So we're going to make ourselves available. The team's going to lead us. Um, Before we do that, I just want to just cover us in prayer as we pray, cool? Lord, I I thank you that your Holy Spirit is just as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago at Pentecost, Lord God. Lord, that we get to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, Lord God. Lord, I pray for boldness in every single heart that's in this room, Lord God, to chase people down with the audacity that you do, Lord, to walk in faith, to to be bold as we walk into school, Lord God. Lord, I pray that, that this year would be a new year, Lord God, of more boldness and more faith expectant for what you have in store when we choose to knock at your door, Lord God. Lord, lead us this morning. Speak to us this morning. In your name I pray. Amen.